Hello and welcome to Unsafe Space. I am one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and you're joining us for a live show that we do Mondays and Fridays called Cafefe Break, Casual Fridays. It's Casual Friday. My co-host Carter Laren is not with us today. So filling in, we have two guests, two friends. First, someone you will recognize, well, you won't recognize his face because he still hides it. But Mystery Chris is with us here today. Hello, hello. Hello. And several people at our recent retreat got to meet you. So there are, are, are I, I think your secret, there's a few people who know your secret identity now. I know. I feel like uh, a bunch of people know who Batman is now. <laughs> it's true. Um, Chris, we're also joined today by one of our friends of the show who I haven't seen in a while. I'm really excited to talk to him today. We have Greg Wilson. You guys will remember Greg as the host of Three Craters Symposium. I'm also um, the CEO, president, and founder of uh, Humans Against Tiger. <laughs> Greg, Greg messaged me you before the show and was like, do I have to look at Tiger? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but for anybody- It started as a joke, and now I feel like obligated yeah. to have a rivalry with your dog. Yes. I Now I just- <laughs> If I post a picture of my dog on Facebook and you don't say something mean, I feel like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, people are like, where's Greg? <laughs> I'll bring him out. You'll get to see him later. I promise. Um, but thank you guys for joining me today for Casual Friday. And Carter, thank you both for filling in. He had to be out today. So Casual Friday. Mystery Chris has been here before, but Greg you're new to what we do on Fridays. We try to keep it positive because as I was saying to you beforehand, I sort of, we got to a point with the show where we thought we don't want every single one of our live episodes. Like when we're not doing interviews, we don't want our live shows just to be cataloging all the terrible things going on in the world. And the audience also, I think is sort of, they know a lot of the same things happening that we're aware of. And so we try to keep it a bit more positive. And so sometimes we ask people to bring positive news stories. Um, do you want to tell us what, what you've been up to? What's been going on with you? Because you said you've taken some time off, actually. I have. Um, so, can you hear me? Because I Oh, there it goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes my screenshot is loaded. Um, sorry, I my blonde guy just decided to show up. I haven't seen him in like a week. And then all of a sudden, out right before this podcast, that's when he decides to show up. So, uh, yeah. So... I was, uh, I started, you know, Three Craters Symposium about three years ago, and it was basically, uh, you know, to talk about topics, but keep it low key, you know, and we'd have drinks and stuff and have fun, but talk about important topics and sometimes goof off or sometimes drink too much. But um, we did that for a number of years. And then after the election of 2020, we went on for a little bit more, but then it just seemed like, were getting really nuts and so with me transferring companies and being in the middle of a company transfer and stuff and the way people want to try to cancel people and get them fired i stepped back and uh wanted to wait for things to kind of settle down um so that you know i didn't have to worry about my job so when i did that i kind of enjoyed it i joined a cult um it's <laughs> called being it's called being part of a Jeep club. So, 
I see you're wearing a shirt already. Yeah. I, I now own three Jeeps. Um, I just bought one, another one last week. Um, and then I, of course, told my wife in the most uh, professional way possible that would not anger her, which means I announced it on Facebook to my friends. Um, so that, that happened. I had a bunch of friends and I'm, it kind of done a trail. It's like Uari in North Carolina. So we went and drove up through the mountains and stuff. Um, and it's, it's been an absolute blast uh, going out and climbing over boulders and everything. And uh, going out, we, we meet every week as a club once a week and we'll meet at uh, various breweries or restaurants to support them and call it topless Tuesdays. Cause you know, you're in a Jeep, you have to take your top off. Um, <laughs> and so, then I've got in, Oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, you say I got into knife making. So I started making knives now. So I've been kind of enjoying the peace and quiet and just getting to various hobbies. And honestly, you know, outside of politics, life's been really good. Um, I got a raise, you know, transferring company has got a big raise and everything. So making more money, which just goes straight into, uh, into my, my cult of, uh, owning Jeeps and, you know, so I've got my shirt. Um, so it's not porn hub, it's Jeep parts because I don't watch porn. I watch, uh, I look at magazines with, uh, lift kits and, uh, bumpers and fender flares and armor for my Jeep and differentials and axles, you know. Normal stuff. Normal stuff. Greg, I have to say, you <laughs> always make me so happy. You're one of the most authentic, just like good-hearted people we've talked to on the show, I think. And whenever I think about you, like when I found out you were taking time off, I think I found out because you weren't commenting mean things on Tiger's Pictures. And then you <laughs> said, I've been <laughs> taking some time away. And well, I've been I thinking really those mean things, so don't worry. There's, oh, good. As long as you were doing it. Yeah, they're still away. in my heart. Yeah. The hatred is, is real. But we have a lot of people on our show who've been thinking about taking time off. I know because I see it in the chat sometimes and we've talked about, you know, social media addiction. And and we've also talked about Facebook has become, I don't know if you know this, but their recent policy. I got a 24-hour ban last week for posting a link to a scientific study about ivermectin. Yeah. And then I read their updated new COVID policy which is very long and it includes, they basically, they say outright, we are now going to be censoring. We will now take down posts and ban you. If you post something, even if it's factually true and even if it doesn't violate our policy, we'll still take it down if it could cause hesitancy to get the vaccine. So they just say that outright. We'll be removing facts now. And yeah, basically, you just that, quote the CDC, yeah. and you'll uh, you'll you'll be causing people hesitancy to get the vaccine, thus get banned. Or, yeah, yeah. So I know more people who are again talking about where to go. What do you do if you want to keep an online presence, or if you have something to promote? Uh, you know, there are musicians I know, there are people who have podcasts I know, there are people who have their run their own businesses and and use it for a promotion, and they're sort of like you know, what's the trade-off of staying here versus leaving? And you're someone who you just took time off and it's been good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I took time off. Um, 
and I'm going to stay around because our, like the Jeep club, uh, all our folks are on, you know, the, the club is on Facebook. And so that's how we communicate our events and everything. And then that's also, we use Facebook messenger and I've got like a million different Facebook messengers. So my phone, I had to, right before the show is muting all of them because my phone constantly beeps with people from the Jeep crew, uh, that we've, basically formed a big family and we hang out all the time. So everybody's always chatting. Um, oh, Farley, uh, leave him alone. My, I have a golden retriever and a Pomeranian and my Pomeranian hates everybody and everything. And my golden retriever, Barley will literally just walk right up and put her face like right into her and just sit there and just to annoy Emma. And so, yeah, that's what she was doing. Um, but yeah, I took time off. But so you, basically, I mean, you I, took I time just, off uh, and you've enjoyed it. Oh yeah. And I just keep Facebook mostly just to, you know, communicate with friends and stuff. So I don't, you know, get in trouble, but it's hard sometimes because I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. Um, but there's other, there's other avenues that seem to really be kind of kicking in. Local seems to be a thing that's starting to get big. I've seen that it's getting bigger and we have to start using ours. We've been really bad about it. Um, yeah. do you see Carter and I've talked about this before. Remember the internet at the beginning and, and jump in here, Chris, if you have an opinion on this, but remember it's sort of, everybody had their own site and there were all these companies putting lots of money into developing their own website. So if a movie came out, you know, they would have their own URL for that movie that that was where they were trying to direct all the attention. And then over time, these big social platforms where everybody would congregate became more popular. And so companies started putting more money into their social pages. They were spending more on that than they were on their own sites. And and but I think we might be getting to a place where we revert back to. Do you think people are going to start going to more localized hubs where it's just, you know, if you want to get something from unsafe space, you go to unsafespace.com. You're not looking for it on other channels or other platforms. I want to hear Batman's take. I mean, mystery Chris's take. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'll pipe in. Uh, from my own personal uh, experience, I know I have uh, to kind of get through a lot of clutter that you see on a lot of social media. You know, I think people are getting more and more crazy and, um, with all the stuff regarding COVID, Black Lives Matters, all that stuff. I think people are wanting to tune out of that and wanting to find something that's just purely about whatever, you know, they're interested in. So for me, I have started to do that. I've started finding new sites and pop culture sites and other things that don't mention politics or anything whatsoever. So I think you will we'll start to see that. Um, again, it's just a matter of getting people off of these main sites. And, you know, as people get older too, I think people are going to, you know, stop accessing Facebook as much because, you know, now it's basically baby book. <laughs> I call it. Just people posting pictures of babies and dogs stuff. And I think people are just, a lot of people are going to want to make that transition to, to something else and try to find something that's a lot more meaningful, a lot more positive. Yeah. Do you go, do you guys use any sites that are of, of shows that you watch or anything? Do you go directly to the hub? Like I know um, Tim, Tim Pool has his own Tim Cast website now that he's trying to use as a hub for everything and develop other shows. Are there any people, I know Paul Joseph Watson also started his own thing, right? Like, do you, I don't visit those though. At least I haven't started I, doing I that yet. I, 
I'm too like used to using like YouTube and stuff. Um, I'm starting to try to transition over locals a little bit and support uh, the folks. Like I love watching like Viva Fry. Uh, if you ever watched him, um, I don't know. He's a Montreal litigator turned YouTuber. He um, kind of his big breakout thing was when he was going over reviewing the defamation of Alex Jones, uh, the uh, deposition, not defamation, um, deposition of Alex Jones. And then he has Robert Barnes on there a lot. Um, then there's uh, Richard Barris with the, uh, the People's Pundit, I think. Um, and he does a lot of polling and his polling is probably the most accurate out there. Mm -hmm. oh, there's my dog. Um, I see. And but I still use YouTube. I I just don't see. I'm looking at the comments. People bring it back, like talking about GeoCities. I remember Tripod. I used AOL. <laughs> I made my own web, like AOL website. You know, using AOL, made my own web page. Um, I remember the old chat rooms and stuff and AOL chat rooms. Um, Angel Fire. Yeah, Angel Fire. <laughs> there's all sorts of them. But I just don't see people breaking away. Like there's it's. People are going to just, I think, eventually congregate to a different platform. And the problem that you have is there are so many options in social media platforms that are supposed to be more kind of the free speech. You know, they're not going to silence you unless you, you know, you do egregious things that they should. You know, if you're, you know, doing, right. you know. KP or whatever um, kind of stuff or, you know, being overtly, you know, harassing or violent, you know, then, yeah, those things, you know, you get booted. But there are just so many of them that it's it's really going to kind of have to whittle down to who, who really wins the uh, King of the Hill battle kind of thing. And yeah. um, you have, was it, um, there's the YouTube alternative, I want to call it Rampage, and it's not Rampage. Rumble. Rumble. Yeah. Um, so I think I mean, they're starting to pick up. They got the live stuff going. Um, and you just need certain creators that are willing to leave and take their audience with them to start building up um, the audiences over at these other platforms and get people used to. I mean, it's, it becomes a habit. Facebook is a habit now. Yeah. You know, checking your Facebook, responding to posts, that is, that's almost like a social disorder kind of thing now. And you're going to have to break people of that. And, and well, not break people of that, but kind of reorder it over somewhere else. Yeah. It's, it's interesting times. I don't quite know. Chris, do you, you go visit any of these other sites or do you, where do you get most of your content? Uh, I've created an Odyssey account, and I've recently been watching a lot of uh, content producers over there, including on Safe Space. Including so, us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Odyssey, I think, now has their own version of Super Chats, and so I'm hoping that that will start bringing a lot of other people because the monetary um, issue is probably one of the big hurdles for a lot of people in terms of yeah. making the jump to those other uh, platforms. But I am curious uh, to look up and see what the average age is for say something like YouTube with all the uh, purging of uh, various content creators. I'm, I'm curious to see if the average age has lowered, you know, because I still go on YouTube for some stuff, you know, music and other things, but I noticed like in my recommendations, it's a lot of like 
videos of people I've never heard of. They're like videos that teenagers or kids like watching. Like I've told you, Carrie, about some of these videos I've seen. Like there's one guy had a sex toy on on the front of his uh, go-kart and he was like chasing his friends with it. And he had like 8 million views on this. Yes. And I'm like, YouTube is, I forget sometimes that there's all these different subcultures on YouTube and we happen, the one that we're in is more of like, I guess the podcasting kind, you know, the three creators and, and different shows where people get together and talk and have discussions or do interviews. We get to talk to interesting people being in that world and our audiences it travels in that world too. You know, some of them watch shows like Friday night tights. They're still watching people have conversations, even if that's more of like a fun pop culture based show, they're watching people talk about real things and have fun while doing it. And then there's these other YouTube worlds that every once in a while I get exposed to one, uh, one was the, uh, the multiple personality disorder world which now goes by DID. The Yeah, look at your face, Craig. Yeah, uh, now it's called dissociative identity disorder. And it's just exploded on YouTube. There's all these content creators who claim to have DID and claim to have multiple personalities who will go into They're these different trying to make it fashionable. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Like, and and it, it, that's shameful. That's, that's shameful because there, there are people that actually suffer from that and it's not a laughing matter to them. It's not something that, you know, it's stuff that they try to deal with. And I think it sounds like you have these people that are just trying to make it fashionable and be like, look at me. Yeah, I, I they've turned that, it into a business. A lot of the criticism for some of these channels comes from people who claim to have DID and say, no, you can't just switch between your alters on camera. It's not just some sort of a, now here's my sexy personality, right? Yeah, but they do it um, in Hollywood. So that's got to be how it happens. <laughs> right. Well, there's that community. And then there's more of what you were talking about, Mystery Chris, of just, I've recently been introduced to a couple of channels. So a friend where the people have millions of subscribers and the channel itself, I don't really understand. Maybe it's a younger person thing. I'm like an old person, but like one of them is a <laughs> channel where they seriously just like do food challenges and like spicy food challenge. And they have crazy like over the top graphics and music. And then they just shove a bunch of food in their mouth. And it's like a million views, spicy food. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> why? Who's watching this? A lot of people like that stuff. I, uh, my buddy did the, uh, the death nut challenge. And, and then I, I tried one of them, like the hottest one. It's made with the pepper X. The guy that runs Pucker Butt um, out of North Carolina, it's like the hottest, you know, makes like the Reaper pepper and all that. The Reaper. Carolina is, Reaper. I know that one. Yeah. He's the guy that like invented the Carolina Reaper. And then he's got uh, a great, like a beefier version of that, of the Carolina Reaper called the Pepper X that he's working on. And these death nuts, I swear it's just like capsaicum paste, which is the spice. Um, and it's just formed into a shape of a nut. Cause I had that thing and wait. it was instant pain. Like wait, pure. so what's the challenge? They eat these hot pepper you, you, nuts? You, yeah, you have like a number of nuts and they go up in scale of like how spicy they are. <laughs> so you have the Scoville scale and, and then you have to like basically wait so much time until you 
get the next nut and then you work yourself up and then you basically wait like five minutes before you can this is... uh, drink uh, milk and stuff. It was, I never had, I mean, I love spicy stuff, like really spicy stuff. This was in a whole nother universe where my ears hurt from how spicy it was. Wow. It Greg, was this, I can't believe people do channels. This sounds like a YouTube show people based around what my, this is what my grandfather used to, my papa used to do at the dinner table. My papa Nard, he, yeah. he, cause he had his own garden and he would pick, hot peppers and then give them to us kids and be like, eat this pepper and you'd eat it. And then he would just bust out laughing at you. <laughs> but somebody turned this into a YouTube series, <laughs> like a whole yeah, channel. I don't know. It's, it's just, I guess it, I think it's the appeal of like, it feels real because you're actually, they're not acting for the most part. They're just like actually legitimately reacting to something. And I think that's what makes it, a, that's part of the appeal. But, it's so, it's so yeah. interesting. Have well, you seen this? Um, uh, have you seen this crate challenge thing that's going around? I just heard about this. I've been seeing all these memes. Like I don't know what this is all about, and then I just heard about it today, like a couple hours ago. Yeah, that they so they stack like uh, a pyramid and try to go up it. Yeah, like yeah, it's kind of like a pyramid stepped pyramid, and so the goal is to step all the way to the top and then go all the way down. But they're milk crates, and so they're not made to support human weight and so a lot of people end up falling and there was actually one i don't know what city it was but it was uh some black people of course i have some black people (laughs) doing the milk crate challenge and one of them like as he was going up apparently someone came out with a gun and shot him i don't know what happened what yeah so there's a video of course Uh, no i don't again all these different YouTube things, I just don't. So to your point, I'm sorry I got real off subject with that, but I do think maybe YouTube has very a younger demographic, and that the majority of the content is not the kind of stuff that we do. That's I just sometimes I I start thinking it's all talk shows and it's not. Um. So let me read. Uh, let me read a couple of super chats quickly. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here today on Casual Fridays. This is from Eli. And I don't even know what this denomination is. It's NOK, 100 NOK. It says, thank you for your show. I'm a newish listener and going through tough medical stuff. And I listen to you when I go for hikes to take pictures of interesting mushrooms. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, and then we have another one. We just have two. We don't have a lot. Intergalactic Butthole Explorer. Yeah, that name. I forgot about In the you. Picture. <laughs> That is blank man. Is that blank man? handyman? Which is interesting. I, I I recently read a uh, book on living color, and uh, right. they had a lot of people who were upset at certain uh, portrayals. Like uh, I guess a lot of people were upset, or I should say, a lot of firefighter unions were upset at the portrayal of uh, Bill uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey's impression of uh, Fire Marshal Bill. Like oh. yeah, very upset. But the weird thing is, <laughs> yeah. But apparently, a lot of um, disability groups were not upset at um, uh, I'm, I'm, handyman. Uh, handyman. I was. <laughs> I had blank man, and I was like, no, it's not blank man. Handyman. And so I thought that was really, really weird. It's like I thought people would have been upset at that, but no, apparently not. That was funny. That show wow. is so 
there's I can't imagine that show existing today between the depictions of oh, Handyman no and uh, Jim Carrey. Remember Jim Carrey doing the uh, Abdul? He 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 did a like an Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, it's like yes. <laughs> Persian Elvis. And every song starts with that, and he's and got brown makeup on. Like you cannot yes, get away. Yes, he did brown face, and all the songs yeah. are about terrorism. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Living Color was so funny. Yeah, and the I used to laugh guys. so hard at that show. Oh yeah, hated it. <laughs> hated it. You kids today would be so triggered by this. Um, but anyway, thank you, Intergalactic Butthole. He says, Carrie, your picture is so much more clear without Carter sucking up all of your bandwidth. You go, girl. <laughs> thank you, sir. Carter's um, always sucking up that bandwidth. He is. People say, uh, oh, people had a sense of humor back then. Yeah, they did. We just started, we're doing a problematic film club with, and we're having, you should sit in on one one day, Greg, where we're just watching movies that probably today wouldn't get made because of fear of a backlash. And so a lot of them are like Blazing Saddles, you know, these comedy one films that, that people have an issue with. Um we started with the party. Have you seen the party? Mm-mm, don't believe Peter so. Sellers. But I think I think what we'll end up doing is just watching a lot of classic comedy because so many things that you, we used to have a sense of humor about. It sort of you can't joke about any of that today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So speaking of different platforms, there was something in the news this week. I was going to get your take on. Did you guys see everybody was suddenly weighing in on OnlyFans banning sexually explicit content? Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I mean, say anything that, about it because I don't really I'm care. upset because yeah. that's how I was making side income. <laughs> so what was your channel? Um dude with B cups. <laughs> We were we were joking at one point that uh, we should do a, a channel for extra income that's just feet where we also read like John Stuart Mill. So you don't actually there's not anything sexually explicit. My, it's just oh, you and, might be surprised how that might be interpreted by other people. <laughs> you need to combine it with the uh, ASMR thing where they like whisper into like the microphone and make weird sounds, but just like oh, whisper John yeah. Stuart Mill. That's a whole nother YouTube right? hole that <laughs> I also recently became familiar with. Um, but yeah, so OnlyFans, I saw everybody, a lot of the people I follow and 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 respect or you know look to to see you know what's going on that I need to be concerned about. A lot of people were talking about this OnlyFans and how it was how they decided they were going to ban explicit content and that we all needed to be speaking out in favor of free speech and against censorship on this issue even if you're conservative and you don't like porn or, or what have you. And I agree that I agree that, you know, just because someone thinks something is immoral doesn't necessarily mean it should be illegal or that it should be censored. But I'll, but I also don't think that everybody needs to speak up about every single thing. I didn't care what only fans chose to do at all. And so then they, there were all these people speaking out about it. And there was this spate of articles with sex workers and people who used it talking about how they're, they made so much money on it, and now they're not going to be able to make all that money anymore. And then what happened? 
they just reversed it. They just said, okay, we're not going to ban explicit content. So the whole thing to me seems just like a, it was a marketing ploy. Don't you think it just sort of was like, like a grift. Like, right. Sounds like a grift. It's I think right. I, I'd be really curious to see what their numbers were. Like if, if their subscriber base was kind of dwindling down as an over, you know, all encompassing thing. And so they, they knew that would uh, cause a stir and then it would get, people interested in it again and kind of keep yes. the Because Sounds. now think about it. I know people who never had heard of OnlyFans who now have heard of it because of all the news articles about it. And they've heard, oh, all these people were making money using it. And oh, I, I missed out on that boat. Oh, wait, they're reversing their decision? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to sign up. I think that, I, I think it was a great, well, I think it was I mean, a- there was, the, the thing was, is they, they didn't, sell it like that like if you would go to the categories and stuff that's not it would be like you know you know private cooking or cooking lessons or something and then you go watch it and it's not that you know so it it kind of gets like naked cooking oh yeah i mean they're they're doing all sorts of stuff on that i've I've never actually personally watched uh only fans i just kind of hear and you know from other podcasts and stuff what it's about but that's kind of the big thing that they're talking about is how they would go through the categories and they'll show you like here's how they list the categories and here's what it actually is you know so people kind of know what they're you know they're like oh well i'm going for this cute girl you know and yeah so but i just didn't really care like i yeah you know i was like if that but if it's like if it's pornography i think it was something with the banks too you know like the banks like well you're not labeling it as that and you're, we're not going to, you know, let you pay with your money for this. I, I don't know. It, it all seems kind of, the whole thing is kind of shady to me. You know what it made me think of? I recently saw some marketing guy on Twitter do a whole tweet thread about how supposedly he allegedly worked for Coke. And he said that back when they, do you remember when they introduced new Coke? He said that, it was all a marketing stunt to introduce a new product that people wouldn't like. So there would, they would create a demand from the public for classic Coke and solidify, re-solidify, you know, generate interest. I heard this. Again. Yeah. And it made me which, think of that. It was sort of. Which would make sense. I mean, they do that stuff. I mean, it is a marketing strategy and it works. So, you know, don't broke what's not fixed. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it, it can't, can't, uh, I mean, it's, it's the people that fall for it. Can't really, uh, go after them too hard for, you know, doing, it's the same thing with like, you know, when they list something as, you know, four ninety five. you know, so you think, oh, it's only $4 instead of like, no, it's, it's $5, man, you know, yeah. or it's or nine, middle- $999 and 95 cents, you know, and like, well, it's, it's below a thousand. So. Yeah, yeah it's thing. also the, the with the pricing thing, how they know that most people are a study show they're most likely to pick the middle price so that, you know, they're not picking the cheapest and they're not picking yeah, the, the most down. expensive. So whatever price point they want, they'll set as the middle price and they'll come up with a higher price that they know most, you know, and then and then it's sort of the sweet spot of making it in the middle. So people choose that. I can't remember who I heard talking about that recently. It might have been Josh Slocum, but um yeah, I think it was. And we were talking about 
uh, some friends and I afterwards about masks. You know, remember when they started saying, oh, you should wear two masks? And that yeah. seemed to me like, oh, you're trying to make one mask the middle price. <laughs> like, no mask, right? one mask. That's kind yeah. of that's what I was thinking is like they're, what they're trying to do is get people to like, oh, I'm definitely not doing that. This is crazy. And then they go, okay, fine, fine. We're just one mask. And they're like, okay, yeah, see, we won. We got our one mask back. Yes. You know, they're like, oh, you fools. <laughs> but it, what is it? There's, I can't remember what it's from, but the quote, um, you know where it's the it's the guy that's plucking the bird, the feathers from the bird, and then the bird starts thanking the master for the warmth of his hand. But it's like they're oh. taking away all your freedoms, but your hands keeping this bird warm. So like that, you're just getting addicted to the very thing that's taking away all your freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I have to find that quote. I don't know that quote, but I think. I would like for you to find it because it's. I think it's very relevant right now. I've I've been talking with friends about what's happening in Australia, and it's sort of just watching it from afar. And if there are any people in the chat from Australia, if you want to give us your take on it, but what I'm seeing reported in the media, it 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 looks like a, a really just something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. It looks like an authoritarian state in a Western country. And they reinstituted these lockdowns in Sydney after one new COVID death is when they went back into lockdown one. And then there yeah. are people, you know, protesting and being beaten up by the police and, and arrested. And then the police. Oh, if you saw that stuff in Iran, you, everybody would be like, this is horrible. Yeah. You know, it's the same stuff that you, you would, you see happen in Iran and you think it's horrible. And yet I see people doing what you just described. I see some people acting as the bird who's being plucked and thanking the 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 master for plucking for the warmth of its hand. Yeah. I see people posting it's a, it's a Stalin, thank you. It's a Stalin quote. So oh. since Stalin took a bird by its legs and slowly one by one he plucked all the feathers from the bird's little body. Then he opened his palm. The bird was laying there naked, shivering helpless. Stalin looked at him, smiled gently and said, you see, and and he is even thankful for the the human warmth coming out of my my palm, Ugh. you know, Ugh. and it's like, this is, this is exactly what's happening. And people need to kind of, uh, wake up and, you know, stand up to this stuff. Uh, Robert, Robert Barnes, um, he's been really pushing hard on this stuff and trying to give a lot of information out stuff that can like, help you with your employers and stuff if they're doing mandates. Um, and so I, you know, He's a good person to check out. I think it's Robert Barnes. I always Robert Barnes. For, yeah, he's a lawyer. We're, we're actually on Monday. We are doing, if you guys want to tune in live, we're doing Monday. We're doing a roundtable with some people who want to talk about their employers, either mandating the vax or coercing them, manipulating them or trying to pressure them to get it. And mm -hmm. I would love to have that. And I will look up Robert Barnes before then. I know uh, Gab yeah. has put out a lot of stuff to help people with their employers. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff out there. Encourage people. And the biggest thing is like religious exemption. That seems to be one thing that they're really scared to try to push down people's throats. Um, so if you basically say, you know, um, there's the the fetal cell lines, aborted fetus cell lines, um, and there's information of where that all came from initially. Um, that I could try to find and send your way that you can send up to people, but you can use that as like, look, yeah, I'm pro-life. I can't, I can't take this. 
And um, Robert Barnes was also put out a lot of information because they're trying to put out, you know, all the fact-checking articles to say, oh, no, there's no aborted fetal cell lines in this. And, yeah, there are. Um, but they're, they're trying to fake the information out there so that the employers say, well, how can you have a religious exemption? There's no, uh, there's, you can't be pro, there's nothing against pro-life policies in there. They actually, that's one of the things in, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, I keep interrupting you, but really, <laughs> really quickly in the Facebook, the new COVID policy, the new COVID uh, um, censorship policy, that's one of the things they say, they'll take down your post if you mention that at all, even though it's factually true, the fetal lines. It um, should terrify what, people. Yeah. What were you going to say, Chris? Oh, I was saying uh, somebody else um, I usually listen to uh, occasionally is uh, Catherine Austin Fitz. Uh, she, I believe she used to work for HUD, but uh, she's pretty based and has her own. Um, she's an economist and has a magazine about you know uh, the economy. But uh, she did an interview where she was talking about how uh, she has some forms on her website in which um, these are things that you present to your employer and make them recognize that there are adverse effects to this and make them acknowledge if they're going to cover you if you do face those um experience those adverse effects so you know if you something happens or are is workers comp going to cover you uh if you you know pass away uh is life insurance going to cover that you know things like that to, to make them acknowledge that there are side effects to this and to make them say whether or not they're going to uh, cover that, see if that might dissuade them in, in pushing this so hard. Because right now it's just this blanket of safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. And a lot of people tend to abandon the, their morality in terms of, you know, whether it's moral to force someone to inject something in their body, because if they're constantly being told it's safe and effective, then people don't feel as bad because it's for the greater good. So, and uh, also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you finish. I'll, I'll, I wanted to piggyback onto this topic. Um, Eric Clapton came up with a song today. Uh, it's called This Has Got to Stop. And uh, I know we can't play it, but uh, I want to read some of the lyrics because he talks a little bit about his experiences after he, he got the vaccine. Uh, and he was also very pro um, protesters who are, who are against the lockdowns. But uh, one of the lyrics goes, uh, I knew that something was going on wrong when you started laying down the law i can't move my hands i can't break out and sweat i want to cry can't take it anymore and then there's one lyric i like this is probably my favorite verse uh it's gone far enough if you want to claim my soul you'll have to come and break down this door wow uh, yeah in the video they released the video it's an animated video and it's like a chalk drawing and it shows like the protesters protesting against the lockdowns and so I saw this article, or I saw uh, Rolling Stones mention the article, and it's pretty. It was a just kind of a fair article. I I, I thought they were going to go, oh, this anti-vaxxers putting out you know misinformation in the song, but no, it's just they were just talking about the song and they didn't really comment on that. And so I went to look up the video, and um, last time I checked, it was really good. The comments were all supportive, pretty much, and uh, the the upvotes was like seven thousand, downvotes was like two hundred, so. I think wow. that's somewhat positive. It's refreshing to see, like, especially uh, such an iconic musician like that to be uh, actually kind of being for the people and mm -hmm. 
Because I thought, and you know, nice originally you know, music was kind of rebellious, and now it all seems to right. be conforming. <laughs> it seems yeah. antithetical to what it was all about. But what do I know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's know, nice not to have a. We mentioned we mentioned Eric Clapton on the show before when he first started talking about what happened to him with the vax. And what was crazy is that the mainstream, the legacy media, they're calling him anti-vaxxer. It's like, dude, he took the he took the vaccine. And now it's 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 a lie, first of all, when they call those of us who haven't taken it like me, but who've taken a ton of other vaccines. I even I've even taken vaccines in adulthood. You know, I took the, um, I took a typhoid vaccine. Uh, I took a HPV vaccine. Those are in adulthood, you know, but I haven't taken this one. And now I get called an anti-vaxxer because of this specific choice I've made on this specific shot. But then to call someone who's even taken it anti-vax is crazy. He came out and was saying, this is what happened to me. I had these adverse effects and I couldn't feel my, I couldn't move my hands. I had no, I thought I wouldn't be able to play guitar again. And then the LA times, I was just looking for the headline. I don't know if you saw it, Greg, I was looking for the headline and two different articles came up, not just the one I remembered LA times. Here's one headline. Eric Clapton's not God, just another vile anti-vaxxer. That's the headline. And (laughs) and then another LA times article, Eric Clapton's anti-vaxxer hypocrisy is on brand for him. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, what would you, I would expect nothing less from the LA Times. I mean, look what they did to Larry Elder. I called him the, I thought it was like a Babylon B headline. <laughs> uh, it, they called him the black face of white supremacy. White supremacy. I was yeah. like, my God, is it, <laughs> this is overtly racist. They just don't care. They don't care. Yeah. But the the Eric, Eric Clapton, I don't know, it's it's interesting to me because it's sort of I don't think he would be well, obviously he wouldn't be saying this stuff if he didn't have adverse effects, you know. And so in, in a weird way, I would say the silver lining of, of whatever's happened to him is that you do get this mainstream celebrity who normally you don't see anyone in the mainstream, anyone who's part of the status quo challenging any of the official narrative you get this person who is challenging it and they don't know what to do with him other than attack him. That LA times piece, the first one I named, she basically in the article, she did not, she kept saying, you know, he allegedly had problems feeling his hands. Then she went on to say, uh, but that's, that might be because of his alcohol. (laughs) She calls him an alcoholic and says it might be because of his alcoholism and just blames him, blames him for any adverse effects of the shot. And blaming. Yeah. 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 I just thought it was really they they don't know quite what to do with him. Uh but I didn't yeah. know he had put out that new song. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's refreshing not to get a an, yet another song about BLM and all this stuff. Not that he's done it, but yeah. plenty of other artists are doing it. And I think yeah. I was talking to you at the other day, Carrie, about you know, the Dixie Chicks, how they went from like protests or I guess they made some statement that what was it? They said they were embarrassed uh that George Bush W. Bush was from Texas and, and you know, a bunch of their fans turned on them, said they're un-American. Oh, yeah, and I remember when that happened, I was like, oh, even though I never really liked the music, but I was like, OK, yeah, cool. You know, they're they're standing up for the beliefs, but now they're doing like pro BLM <laughs> music. I'm like, what happened to you guys? Are they? Yeah. Did you see that last year? They came out with some uh, BLM. I, I, oh, I remember so, that. Yeah. And then everybody's response of like, you're still around. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> didn't they, did they change their name or they're thinking about? They changing did. Their name? They, they changed did change their name okay. just to the chicks, the chicks which yeah. <laughs> they dropped Dixie because it's supposedly racist, uh, and they kept the chicks, which is I'm like, isn't that sexist? What are you gonna change the chicks? Oh, yeah. just drop everything. You have can't. No name. You can't be morally consistent if you are on that that uh that thought process. That's, yeah, uh, regressive left. Regressive left. Um, somebody in the chat says, because we were talking about Australia. Somebody says, "Oh, Dion says, wasn't it in Australia where that famous female news reporter died from the vax?" This is a story. Uh, BBC presenter Lisa Shaw. There's a there's actually an article about her on the Guardian. Yeah, let me send this to you, Beverly. Um, or maybe you can maybe you can duck duck go at Beverly. It's on the Guardian. It's BBC presenter Lisa Shaw, and the headline is "She Died of COVID Vaccine Complications." Coroner finds, um, and then the subtitle is "Shaw Died of a Brain Hemorrhage Caused by a Blood Clot Three Weeks After Her First AstraZeneca Dose." An award-winning BBC radio presenter died as a result of complications from the AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine. A coroner has concluded. Lisa Shaw, who worked for BBC Radio Newcastle, died at the city's Royal Victoria Infirmary in May, a little more than three weeks after her first dose of the vaccine, developed by academics at the University of Oxford. The inquest heard that Shaw, 44, had been admitted to the hospital after doctors investigating her complaints of headaches found she had suffered a brain hemorrhage. Karen Dilks, the senior coroner for Newcastle, gave a narrative conclusion, quote, Lisa died due to complications of an AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, she said. Now, this story is awful. It's also, it's not, it's, it's anecdotal. It's one person's story. It's not most people. Um, but what, what's, what's crazy to me about the time that we live, the times that we live in now is if you share this article, which is factual on Facebook, it's, you could be banned and they could take the yeah. post down. They've now said they will remove anything that could cause hesitancy to get the vaccine. But on the flip side, I see local news, like a lot, a, a majority of, I'm surprised this was even in the Guardian, to be honest. I'm surprised they didn't try to bury this story because yeah. the local news here, KVUE in Austin, every single day they put out a story like this, but about someone who died from not getting the vaccine and they moralize. This is just a statement of facts of what happened to her. In these KVUE posts, they moralize at the end of every article they say, you know, and this person's dying wish was that others would get the vaccine and here's how to get it. And they're telling you what to do. They're using these anecdotes to tell you what to do. These human interest stories using the deaths of people. And that's, it's just a double standard. And it's also, I think it's, a, I think it's gross. I think it's gross to take it and say, and now you do this. Like nobody's at the end of this article saying, and therefore don't get it. Like it, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of am I am I making sense? I know I'm kind of rambling, but no, no, it makes sense. I mean, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards, you know. And that's there is no hardly any journalism um, anymore, and it's you get it on very localized level, but not in the mainstream level at all. And it's it's a shame because it's it's dangerous. Come this elite class that. Larry 
thinks that they are above everybody else. So they, they don't have to hold themselves accountable and they feel obligated to lie if it, it's within their interests or the interests of the, you know, the rest of their ivory towers, you know, and yeah. they, you know, they, they have convinced themselves that they are the, the betters. Yes. That they know better. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. how many people actually think that, you know, I, I heard, uh, I guess, Robert Malone talking about the noble lie. And I wonder how many of these people know that there are more effects, you know, side effects than what they're stating, but they believe that there's still more good can be achieved than bad. Therefore, they're willing not to talk about, you know, those, you know, side effects because they know that's going to discourage people from, you know, getting uh, the vaccine. So, I'm, I'm curious how many of them are just flat out evil versus how many of them convince themselves that what they're doing is for the greater good. And I feel like we need to take the, uh, a clip from uh, Hot Fuzz where they say the greater good and just play that. Yeah. Like, constantly <laughs> every show, the greater good. <laughs> I do. Well, they, I they were just getting rid of hoodlums though, so that's, they, they were doing the greater good. Crusty jugglers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them do think that they're that they're this is for some noble ends, and I think a lot of uh, just the every average everyday average people who you know are social media users and who repeat who repeat the narrative and you know the kind of people that I see running around now denigrating you if you haven't gotten the vax, calling you anti-vaxxer when that's not even true. Those people. I think the social pressure is such that they that makes them feel like they're being good people to do that. And and I think that they I mean, you'll see sometimes there, there's a testimony of there was the testimony of this one parent I was watching about the adverse effects that her daughter had suffered. And 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 it was censored from Twitter. But before it was censored, I saw the video of her giving testimony. And she said she felt a need to qualify all of her statements up front by saying, I fully believe in vaccines. I'm not anti-vax. Yeah. My whole family took them. I, I still recommend them for other people, despite what happened to my daughter. Okay. Now I can tell you the story of what happened to my daughter. Yeah, it's like this sort of like, everything. yeah. 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 Having to preface everything with this sort of qualification of, of don't come after me. Right. I just want to share the facts. Yeah, no. And it, well, I mean, that's the thing is that people are like, you know, they always think evil is going to be, you know, some kind of, you know, the, the mustachioed guy, you know, the guy twiddling his mustache or, you know, that's not how it, I mean, evil really happens because, uh, you know, moral societal corruption and stuff where you have people that are convinced that they're doing something good. Now, you and most people have will lie to themselves long enough, they actually think they're doing something good. Um, and so evil is not some easy thing to spot, or it's, I don't think it's, I don't think anybody's just pure evil. Um, they build up to that. And, you know, just like, you know, when Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, the Nazis and stuff, like they built up to that stuff. Like they didn't just send a guard out there, like, oh, go run up and shoot some Jews. You know, it was they slowly worked them into it. And because they know that people don't just they're not just evil. They're not 
going to go go do these terrible things. Like, it, it's something yeah. that they evolve into it. And I'm it's, curious too, like how much the imagery of say people in the media or the politicians wearing the nice suits and they got their hairs all nicely, you know, cut and, you know, styled. I always wonder like if say there was like some kind of law or something where all congressmen had to wear like t-shirts and jeans like on the congressional floor like if would people view them differently it's because they're wearing nice suits and ties that there's some people tend to think that they're more trustworthy authoritative voices or sources because the way they present well yeah i mean it's so yeah i think there's truth to that you're making me think of an animal farm when the pigs start wearing human clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a rule they can't, none of the animals are, they all agree they're not going to wear human clothes and they're not going to live in the farmer's house. But then slowly the pigs start changing all the rules and they start putting on the human clothes and they start living in the house and they change all the rules so they're more equal and they get it, you know, they're in charge of all the other animals. And yeah, there's something, there's something to that. Um, I want to read just a couple more of these so I stay on top of them. Rock Lexicon. Hello, sir. He gives us a super chat and says, I just want to say hi to Carrie and Mr. Chris. It was great meeting you all at the retreat. It was great meeting you. We, yeah. for anybody who couldn't make it, we had, we plan on doing more of these for sure. This was a good first run to figure out what we, you know, how to, how to launch one of these, how much, what the, what is the interest, how many people will come and what can we do better next time? And we've learned a lot from it. If you went to the retreat, you should have gotten an email with a survey because we want to hear from you on what we did, right. What, what could be improved upon for the next one. Um, but thank you. I was really, really good to see you. Right. Lexicon Marie Busky. Hello, Marie. She says it's awful in New Zealand right now. Draconian lockdown government pitching the vax. Oh, pitching the vax against the non-vax. Anyone with adverse effects is shut down. It's hideous. PM showing true colors. Well, yeah, and they just had they they just had one case of an infection. Not even somebody dying or getting hospitalized. I don't think it was really just, they had one infection case. They shut down all New Zealand. Yeah, it's That's pretty awful what's crazy. happening over there. But it still makes me think like, why are they rushing? Like, yeah, I heard I was one of the live streams I listened to. A person made a point where he said that the general public, well, they are dumber than what the general public was years ago, but so are the elites. And I see the way they're rolling this stuff out and all the contradiction and how sloppy it is and how rushed it is. It just, you know, sometimes I think it's easy to kind of, you know, view what's going on and people pushing it as, you know, these people who are engaging in all these Machiavellian tactics and they're, you know, chessboard and they're doing all these, you know, really yeah. strategic, super smart things. But, you know, the more I look at it, the more I just see how sloppy and bad it is. It's just like, it's like a race, you know, who's dumber, who's going to fall for, or I guess the public going to continue to fall for, you know, this horrible, badly done propaganda. That's not, it's, it's not, clever at all it's just it's bad but it just seems like they're they're rushing like maybe they're afraid of something so they're they're just pushing so hard so quickly and it just it just it seems off to me like this isn't part of their long drawn out plan i think it's an obsession with power and they're afraid that if they don't grab as much as they can right now that they won't be able to hold on to it yeah and you know that's what was it's uh you know any man can stand adversity, but to test a man's true character, give him power. And that's what we're faced with. Most people get it. Uh, and, and more. 
Yeah, I I go back and forth. I saw you me. grab a book there, Karen. Oh, well, I grabbed this book because you were talking about when you mentioned Jordan Peterson ta and talking about uh, how Nazi soldiers or people in Nazi Germany's they were they didn't just overnight change and become these monstrous humans. It, it was it was step by step in the way that they started dehumanizing the other and putting people in groups. And um, we read this book. This is a book that Peterson recommends that we read in our unsafe space book club. It's called ordinary men. And I've been recommending it again recently because the second half of this book gets into the psychology behind ordinary men, which is where the title comes from. How do you turn ordinary people into these monsters set for lack of a better word? And, and it talks about the indoctrination, the ideological indoctrination they were undergoing, but also the, the social pressures and the dehumanization of groups, like pitting groups against one another. And that's, it's really informative right now to see what's happening in our culture. And if you point things out like this, if you say, hey, this is an informative book to read right now for this reason, you will get people who who are okay with the dehumanization that's happening, you will get them saying back to you, are you comparing this to the Holocaust? Are you comparing this? And, you know, they try to, they try to cut off all avenues of inquiry and they try to stop you from using your brain. They try to stop you from looking at history and from looking at the motivations of human beings and the psychology of human beings in groups. And, and they really try and cut off that entire avenue of thought. Why would they do that? Why would they keep you from, reading a book like this or thinking about it or thinking about the application today or from recognizing warning signs or from learning anything from history um, because they're okay with it. I think a lot of those people who, who say that stuff, they're, they're the same people like Tom Likas, this radio show host I just saw yesterday on, on Twitter. They're posting these ghoulish sort of celebrations whenever someone who is unvaccinated dies of COVID and it's posted and it's in the news. They're, they're celebrating it. It's like, it is disgusting. It's like looking into a pit of human darkness. And, uh, and I think I've, I'm seeing that in more and more people today than I ever, I guess it's always been there. I just, this, things like this bring it out and you get to see it. You know? Well, it's weird too, because I see people, you know. Well, you know, social media out there. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, well, it's weird because I see a lot of people, you know, kind of, you know, celebrating whenever, um, like you said, someone gets the, you know, COVID or something, they're supposedly unvaccinated or, and they say, you know, we should deny them medical treatment or prioritize, you know, treatment to people who are vaccinated and stuff. And I'm like, how can you be so myopic and not see how that could be applied to other things? I mean, how many people smoke a pack of cigarettes every day? How many people drink every day? How many people eat McDonald's or Burger King every day? I mean, could you not make an argument that they're putting some cost on the greater, um, community or society and not that I'm calling for you know any kind of uh, treatment being denied to them for that but the, I just I don't understand how people can just look at this one thing and not see the larger implications and how this can spread that's what doesn't make sense it, to me it will spread and it it already Josh Local on the disaffected podcast has been pointing this out online they've already there are people some people who've already been doing this for years to people who are overweight and two smokers, et cetera. But they, now they, I think they have more standing now that we've, they've, they've been successful at 
I guess, mainstreaming the idea that that you should be denied medical medical care if, based on whether or not you chose to get a vaccine. Now that they've made that more socially acceptable, they're not afraid to say things like that online. I think you're going to see even more people saying it now about if you're obese, if you're a smoker, if you're gay. Imagine saying that stuff about people who have AIDS, like you should be denied medical care because you're gay. Um, we kind of like I Fauci. Don't... <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> don't point. talk about Saint Fauci. <laughs> my, 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 my stream gonna cut out now. <laughs> we uh uh yeah, you know what? I wanna can we talk about can I change subject well, not subjects, but can I can I go in a different direction for a second and talk about Fauci quickly? I don't know about you guys, but I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, I'm not keeping up with everything on a day-to-day -day basis. So I keep up with the basics of some things, but I'm not doing the in-depth reading until later. So I just started reading all these articles from June about Fauci and the Wuhan origin story and uh, Peter Daszak. And I know we, I've read some of them before. I read a media, the Medium article that went around by Nicholas Raid. I think it was Wade. I read that article when it first came out, but I didn't read when the mainstream media started talking about it in June of this year, a couple months ago. So I just, I just started looking at those. There's a vanity fair piece. That's really interesting. There's a New York post piece. That's really interesting. But um, do you, do you two know, do you know who Peter Daszak is? No. Okay. Beverly, can you put that graphic up that I sent you? Is he the guy that was FDA? They went to Pfizer or am I thinking something? No, this, this is the president of Eco Health Alliance, which is a New York-based organization. And <clears throat> so he's the head of Eco Health. Here's a graphic I made. It said COVID heroes. I think we should start celebrating some of these guys that are not household names yet. Peter Daszak, <laughs> he's one of these COVID heroes who's been toiling away in the shadows that we need to spread light on. Here's an actual a direct quote from him. Quote, this is from an email, by the way, that he sent to uh, two scientists when he was organizing a, a, a letter full of scientists uh, for the Lancet, where he had them sign a letter at the beginning of the pandemic saying there's no way this came from a lab. And he, he sent an email to two scientists in particular, uh, one of whom runs the, uh, who's been doing all the, the, the coronavirus research at UNC Chapel Hill, Dr. Ralph Bork. He said, you, me, and him should not sign this statement. So it has some distance from us and therefore doesn't work in a counterproductive way. We'll then put it out in a way that doesn't link it back to our collaboration so we can maximize an independent voice. So I, I just want to talk about him for a second. He's the president of EcoHealth Alliance. They received $3.4 million grant from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is the arm of the NIH that Fauci runs, gave them, gave this guy, Peter Daszak, $3.4 million. And then he went on to give $600,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So in a roundabout way, through his organization, the National Institute of Health gave money to him. He gave money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do this coronavirus research. And the craziest thing is when this first started breaking as a news story, the pandemic itself, 
in February of 2020 before it, you know, there had been time to even figure out where it came from. He organized a letter of 27 scientists. He got 27 scientists to sign this letter. It was published in uh, the British, uh, the Lancet, which is a really influential, you know, supposedly respectable source. It was published there. And in that letter, they said that there's no way this came from a lab. They used the word conspiracy theory several times. They put that word in there. They called it, here, here we go. I have actually the language. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget this. They said, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Conspiracy theories do nothing but create fear, rumors, and prejudice that jeopardize our global collaboration in the fight against the virus. They also said that they, quote, have solidarity with all the scientists and health professionals in China, end quote. And then they said in this letter, these 27 scientists signed it. He organized it. it they said they have, quote, no competing interests here. Absolute lie. Um, over six of them worked for EcoHealth Alliance or received funding from EcoHealth Alliance and not including him. And then he emailed two, two scientists he didn't want to be on this letter and said those quotes there like, I don't want you to sign this because I want it to look independent and I don't want anything linking our collaboration. And they put out this what I view as a piece of propaganda at the very beginning of the pandemic to keep us the way Vanity Fair talked about it. They said the investigation into the origins of the coronavirus ended before it began, in part because of this letter signed by 27 scientists and experts. Right. So this guy, the more you read about him, I think the more villainous he appears to be, to me anyway. And uh, I just I just wanted to take the pulse of the room and say like, do you guys remember this guy? Do you remember Peter Daszak? Why don't we know him? He should be more famous. <laughs> we should all be talking about him, right? Oh yeah, but the, why would the media <laughs> want to cover that? It goes against their narrative. There's, they're, they're making money off of uh, getting people riled up and creating division. I got what was it a couple of weeks ago? I got called a plague rat because what? What is that I mean? didn't want because I, I I'm carrying around the plague apparently because I'm not vaccinated. Oh. I'm like, but still carry the vaccine. Faded, so you know these people are like they're so there's this obsession with wanting to be superior, wanting to be morally better. And so, like, they will bypass all the facts and get really upset when you actually give them the data that you're not making up. Like, well, here's the data right from the CNC. Here are the data from the studies. Here's the data that, well, some of the data, because FDA is not releasing all the data about what they had just approved. And apparently it seems like what they approved isn't the actual vaccine that's out right now. I had to look more into that. Um, to be 100% about that. But you, even when you give them all this data, they, they get upset about it because they want to believe that, oh, I get vaccinated, I can't get it, I can't spread it, I'm better, you know, I'm doing, you know, the, the greater good, I'm keeping America safe. And, and they're so eager and willing to want to point the finger at other people that are like, hey, I, I want to know more before I put this in my body. Yeah, and that doesn't mean they're anti-vax. They're just like, 
I might get it. Like, but I just, I'm, I'm not convinced yet. And it's new. And this is never in the history of America. A vaccine has never been pushed this fast and approved by the FDA. So people are, you know, rightfully skeptical, but people are just eager to want to, you know, hate on somebody. Yeah. I think it's like, they, they don't want to believe that the government or corporations don't have their best interests at heart. Are you kidding me? Which is so weird to me because (laughs) these same people that are the ones with like the BLM uh, banners or the, uh, the LGBT flag or whatever. And I'm like, but you do realize like the whole reason, like you started this movement is because the government was corrupt and did legitimate, like did actually, things to like blacks in the past they did horrible things to gays in the past like how many serial killers that targeted gays did we have and that went on for years because the cops didn't care to investigate um so it's like who was behind all the government but no it's it's fine to trust them now when it's a vaccine like don't you remember what Fauci was saying during the AIDS epidemic and pushing uh, whatever that drug was that was killing all sorts of people. You know, I mean, you are, I mean, there's a lot of truth to what happened, you know, the movie Dallas Buyers Club, you yeah. know, and it's like, oh, but it's those same people, just the, the uh, moral inconsistencies is mind boggling to me. It's the weird cognitive dissonance that they have, you know, just like mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, when I talk to people who are generally still, you know, quote unquote, blue pilled, what you call it, a lot of them are on the left side of the spectrum. But I try to when I talk about what's going on, I try to phrase it in a way that's going to appeal to them and maybe help cut through some of the you know propaganda and stuff. And so every time I've been around them and I've talked about the lockdowns and I've talked about, hey, don't you think it's odd that, you know, Amazon and Walmart and all these big corporations are deemed essential and smaller businesses are not. And these big businesses are getting more and more powerful. Amazon's worth over a trillion dollars. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think there is something going on. And it's just bizarre <laughs> to me, like how that never occurred to them <laughs> before yeah. until now. I'm, I'm I'm glad that they, they see the point I'm making, but I'm like, you really didn't really think about this. It's just, I don't get it. It's because what you and I were talking about, Chris, is where they have, it's almost like, when you're getting all of your narrative, your your ideas on the way the world works and what's really going on in the world, when you're getting all of that from a controlled source, from you know when a lot of it is propaganda, and you're you're and you're in an echo chamber, and you only read, they've done a great job of making sure you only read certain sources. These sources are bad, right? So you're never going to see the stories that would only be printed in an outside source or that, or, or God forbid a source from the other side, right? Like they've <laughs> scared you from reading that stuff. So you only read this acceptable propaganda and it's like a, a rat in a maze. They've cut off all these avenues for the rat to go. So you're, mm-hmm. it's like the rat can only go this way. And what you're doing when you ask them a question like that about big corporations and profits is you're sort of lifting up a door for the rat to go somewhere else. It hasn't been before. And they're like, Oh, why haven't I thought of that before? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a good thing that you're doing. Well, it's like that, you know, you have the cat that's in the house all the time. Like I've got two cats and then you open up the door to the outside or a a door to the room that they've never been to. And they're terrified of it. 
Like they're horrified, <laughs> you know, yeah, and so they don't right. want to want to see. It's it's the Plato was it Plato's uh, cave, the cave. Yeah. You know, when the guy gets pulled out and actually sees the real world and realizes it's the guy's just creating animal shadows and everything, and he tries to go and tell them that it's all a lie, and they try to basically try to kill him. Yeah, they don't want to hear they, it. Yeah, they don't want it to ruin the their world view. And but those, but those who've been outside of the cave and seen that it's all lies, it's like, like you, like you said, they, nobody wants to listen to you. And it's funny because I actually had someone tell me, someone who is in that echo chamber just listens to legacy media, and and recently was I was talking to this person about how the, well, the legacy media now in June started talking about what the Wuhan origins, they, they finally started talking about it, right? They're talking about all these coincidences. They're talking about all the research money that we were putting, that we us taxpayers were putting into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, and this, this friend said to me, well, that's because we didn't know all this back then. The experts didn't know all this back then. We're just learning this now. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's because that's what they told you. And you're plugged into that propaganda feed. That's all you're listening to. There are those of us who've been outside the cave who were trying to tell you a year ago, look at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And you know what was happening to us? Their people were being censored. Their websites were coming down. They were called conspiracy theorists in letters like the Lancet letter. Um, they were told that they're anti-science because look, the Lancet letter was signed by 27 scientists and you call us crazy people. And then a year later, we turn out to be now the, now the legacy yeah. media is like, well, they might be right. It might've come from a lab and you're trying to tell me, well, that's, we only, that we only know about this now. No, we don't. Yeah. You're in a cave. Get out of the cave. Like, yeah <laughs> well, it's funny i showed oh, my uh i think i told you this scary i showed my parents that sinclair uh media video uh you know someone took like 50 segments from local news uh stations around the country and they're all saying the same exact thing and i showed my parents that and they were like but that's sinclair i'm like no no you don't get it like even if cnn and all these other ones aren't saying exactly word for word the entire scripted one hour show they're on the same thing as what other people are saying it's you know, the idea of them putting the same talking points, the same narratives is true. And I was trying to get them to see that. And so, you know, often when I talk to friends, family who are still, you know, in the matrix of stuff, again, a lot of them kind of left leaning. And I understand that they don't like corporations, at least certain ones. And so I try to point out how the media, there's been a consolidation of media outlets in the past 40 years, how in the 1980s, there was like, you know, about 50 companies that own most of the media. And now there's just a handful of ones that own the majority of the media, the you know TV stations, the radio stations, the journals, newspapers, online publications. And then you have the social media companies that censor the information that people get. And so I, I try to get through to them, you know, using their own framework and the way they see the world and try to get them to apply that to, you know, these issues that are going on. And sometimes I get through, sometimes I don't, but, I try. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I try to do the same thing. It's like, okay, well, let's follow your, you know, your line of thinking and then see where this goes. And, yeah. and then that's when they, 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 sometimes you can convince them, but a lot of times they just get flustered. They'll stop or they'll, you know, block <laughs> you or whatever, or, 
you know, the coach, like, well, let's just disagree to disagree. that's like it's like what your analogy greg about the cat and they haven't if you open a new door they haven't been in before being scared to go through that new door it's it's i i i understand that fear i went through that fear of leaving my cave um one more thing about dazic just because i was reading a lot about him today man and i i can't it's my pet thing today this same guy peter dazic the president of eco health alliance the one who received $3.4 million in grant money from the USIAID, which is the arm of the National Institute of Health that's fun, that's uh, run by Fauci. He got $3.4 million of US taxpayer money and then gave 600,000 of it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then organized this letter of 27 scientists to say, there's no way it came from that lab and we have no competing interests here. And by the way, I'm not going to sign it in a private email. He says, I'm not going to sign it. And you two scientists shouldn't sign it either. So it looks good. Um, in Remember when Fauci's emails came out recently? This is a couple months ago, I think. A bunch of private Fauci emails. This same guy, Peter Daszak, he emailed Fauci. People can go read this. It's in, it's in BuzzFeed. Hey, it's in a, le- a leftist source. You can read it. Dazic emailed Fauci in April of 2020, so a couple, a few months after he put out that uh, propaganda piece with 27 scientists, and he told Fauci, "Thank you for supporting his narrative." And his, his, these are his exact words to Fauci in his email: "I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators <laughs> for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19." from a bat-to-human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Fauci emailed him back and said, many thanks for your kind note. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just. Nothing, stopped. nothing, nothing weird there. <laughs> nothing weird there, <laughs> right? Nothing here. Okay, yeah, one last totally thing. Totally normal. <laughs> totally normal. One last interesting thing about him. There's a lot of interesting things. In January of this year, 2021, the U.S. State Department put out a Wuhan lab fact sheet. This is still on the State Department's website. You can go read it. And in their fact sheet, which Biden has signed off on, it's still up there. They said, they they listed a few facts and they were basically saying sort of what the legacy media finally started saying in June. They're sort of saying, hey, the CCP was really trying to keep a lock on information about COVID and they weren't being forthright with us or transparent and about you know the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And they say on the website, um, quote, this is from the U.S. State Department in January, the Wuhan Institute of Virology has a published record of conducting gain-of-function research to engineer these viruses. Okay, it says that. And then they go on to admit that we have funded this research because they say, quote, the U.S. and other donors who funded or collaborated on civilian research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology have a right and obligation to determine whether any of our research funding was diverted to secret Chinese military projects and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So they say, we basically, we want to know if our, we have a right because we funded stuff. So we want to know, right? Um, So when this state department Wuhan lab fact sheet came out in January, 2021, that same month, the same guy, Peter Daszak, Peter Daszak goes to, did we lose Greg? Yeah, it looks like it. Oh, okay. Hopefully he'll come back. Peter Daszak goes to, is this, is this new information for you, uh, Chris? Have you 
have you uh i i read some of it i'm not sure if, if specifically about uh mr dazic but i did read about you know a bunch of doctors kind of conspiring you know not to to endorse something without actually signing any kind of paperwork or anything that would actually link them or just try and do ways and to present themselves in a certain way that goes counter to what their actual consensus is behind the scenes kind of deal. right well so he well this part of the story is interesting the same month that the State Department put out that Wuhan uh, lab fact sheet. Peter Daszak was the only American representative to travel to the Wuhan lab with, with a group from the World Health Organization that led to the World Health Organization putting out a statement saying that there's that it didn't come from the lab. <laughs> that we talked to the lab. <laughs> hey, Peter Daszak, our American representative was here and we talked to the lab and it didn't come from here. He later admitted, two months later, he admitted in March of this year that they never looked they never asked to look at the lab's virus database, which was taken offline. They never asked to look at it. And when and when he was asked about it, he said um, that the the woman that they call Batwoman there, the woman that was in charge of all the coronavirus uh, studies there, what's her name? G. Uh, they said that she, SHI, she, he said that she she said, well, they had to take that database offline because it was subject to hacking attempts at the start of the pandemic. That's a lie. The, the database so much- came down in early September of 2019. They took it down in September before the official start of the pandemic. Yeah, I, so- I, I work in cybersecurity. That's a bunch of BS. <laughs> I tell you that right now, that like you don't do that. I, I just, I think this story is so, somebody needs to make a movie of this because that's the only <laughs> way you're going to get normies to pay attention. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's like. Oh, like, well, one thing that it strikes me, I mean, about the whole thing and people don't realize, I guess, how common this is. Um, like I've worked with a lot of government officials uh, and they constantly change their mind. They want you to do one thing when it's not part of a contract or whatever. And then they get really bristly when you go, okay, yeah, I'm, I can do that, but just shoot me an email, put it in writing as an official request and we'll get that done. And all of a sudden you never hear anything. Cause they, they hate putting anything in writing because then it's an official document. You know, you, you instantly know when something is like, oh, they, this is good to do or bad to do when they don't, when they all of a sudden shut up and don't want to put it in writing. I used to deal with this stuff with the Marine Corps all the time. When I'm like, they changed their mind on things all the time. I said, okay, well, just put it in writing. And that, and it wasn't even anything nefarious. It was just, they were inconsistent with certain things. So I'd say, okay, well, last time you told me to do it this way. Now you're telling me to do it this way. So just so we can all be on the same page and be consistent. Can you uh, put down what you want in writing? And then we'll, we'll stick to that. Man, they would get mad. No. Yeah, like and it was like, this yeah. is what they do. Like, people are like, well, there's no proof. I'm like, that's how they function. Like, that's, this is how they do it in government. This is especially in Washington. They don't put stuff in writing. That's why they go and meet in offices and, and, uh, or pizza shops or coffee shops or whatever is that they will have these conversations in person and they don't put anything down in writing. They, they, they're not dumb. These aren't dumb people. They know once something's written down, it's basically in stone. You can always find that. And when they do slip up, like these emails between mm-hmm. Peter Daszak and 
a couple of scientists where he told them don't sign the letter because we want it to appear to be impartial or whatever and not connect us back to it that then it comes out and nobody cares and even if you get the legacy media like vanity fair or new york post or buzzfeed or whoever to finally do stories on it still no one cares it's like he slipped up it's in writing maybe he learned never put something like that in email again but does it really matter no nobody even knows his name well they, they don't care because they don't want to i mean that the people that do care well they they're already people paying attention we're skeptical so you're not really changing many minds i mean you change some yeah. um but people have been so conditioned um and ideology is so huge i mean uh what was it it wasn't during the it was during was it the polio vaccine or something or i can't remember which one it was early 1900s that they were really doing a huge vaccine push and then a, a photo got released of the these government officials all sitting on oh it was a mask push i think it was during the spanish flu and everything that they're pushing masks mask mandates okay and then there was a photo that got released of all these government officials at a huge table all unmasked and everything and it got released and all of a sudden people are like oh wait a second you know and then all of a sudden they pulled that back and they're oh we're not doing mask mandates anymore because they got shown to be hypocrites people are so used to them being hypocrites now because they see it and experience it all the time and they're so entrenched in their ideology it doesn't matter anymore you can have instances of this all the time and people just they're like they don't want to believe it yeah it's, it's incredible to me yeah it's and like the emperor can be shown to have no clothes how many times have we seen these proponents of mass mandates now like uh governor newsom and and uh oh gosh here in texas steve adler like we see them violating their own rules and and the things that they're telling everyday people they have to do and just like an animal farm, the pigs, the, you know, yeah. some animals are more equal than others. They're not following their own mandates. They want to force you to do they something they're not doing because they don't believe in it. Yeah. And but when it comes out, you're right. People just sort of don't bat an eye anymore. Yeah. You know, like what uh, Obama's party recently, like even before the event, they were telling people yeah. don't take photos and stuff. I'm like, come on. Do you see the tweet from the one DJ that was there, like publicly apologizing how horrible she felt oh, for no. posting pictures? <laughs> I'm like, man, like, is this like, how bad do they got you manipulated to where you post pictures because you're you're proud of being DJing this huge elite party, and then it exposes them, so you have to apologize for it? I'm like, they're the ones being hypocrites. And now you're having to, you feel like obligated and it feel horrible and you got to apologize for it. Erica Badu oh, also, yeah. she released an apology for posting yeah. video. But like all the people who went to the party, like they had to like, know this was all just a big joke, right? I mean, if you get the party, no one's wearing a mask and they're telling you ahead of time not to take pictures. I mean, it's all pretty obvious what's going on. Oh, yeah, so. they don't they don't live like they're telling us to live. Not at all. I mean, remember, we showed a there's also a video of, of these French politicians. And forgive me for I know we have some viewers in France. I forget the politician's name. If you know who I'm talking about, put it in the in the chat. But it was a video of the these French politicians getting ready to go on camera and there's a whole group of them standing around a microphone and they're getting makeup touches and they're getting adjusted with microphones. And then they're, 
they all get somebody passes out masks and they all put the mask on and then the cameras start rolling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they call AOC doing that recently. Where like they're going to take a photo, so she puts her mask on. They take the photo. As soon as the photo's over, she takes it off. You know. Wow. And I noticed, like during the Olympics, like when, during the medal ceremony, like whenever they're playing the national anthem for like America or whatever country, what won gold, they all the athletes sitting on the podium had masks on. But as soon as the anthem was over, they would take it off and pose for a photo. And I was like, what? Why? I'm trying to figure out the reasoning because it's so blatantly obvious that it's just it's a big joke. It doesn't matter. But like, is there? Is, do they want the visual? If there's someone must be like wanting that visual of people wearing masks as they look towards you know their nation that they're from. Well, they can't get be seen to, I don't know. Okay, so, no, they can't be seen to. They can't be seen to be violating to be their own mandates or to be hypocrites. Or it makes me think about, um, like when you're preaching something and you're preaching something fundamentalist and absolutist, and then and then you're found not to be following it yourself, to be a hypocrite, right? Like we all know examples of that. And this is no different. This makes me think of the, some of the conservative uh, politicians in the pre previous decades who would be so vocally opposed to gay rights and to mar gay marriage. And then you would find out in their private lives, they were going on websites and, and hiring gay prostitutes or, you know, had mm -hmm. these dalliances in their, like such hypocrites. And it makes me think of that. It's like, you know, you're saying something out of one side of your mouth, uh, very passionately and adamantly and, and with a fundamentalist kind of approach, like this way or the highway. And then it turns out like you don't even follow it yourself. Like, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty par for the course now. It seems like it's yeah. wild. So, I do want to say I've uh, been picking up German lately, and I figured out what German for brawl was. What is it? Stop him from flopping. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I just, just trying to put a little lighter note. <laughs> my my husband speaks German, and he taught me they have a word over there for wrong thinker. It's Kaverdenker. It's a real word. At least that's, that word sounds awesome. Yeah. That, that sounds like, you know, like you call somebody, you know, that was a wrong thing, a Kverdinker. <laughs> yeah. I like that word. Have you seen the YouTube video of, like, I can't remember who does this series, but it's about ger the German language and how it sounds so, uh, I don't know what the right word would be. It, it just, it sounds so harsh compared to other languages. And so this guy, I don't know his name, but maybe some of you've seen it. He does, he'll take a word like butterfly and he'll do it in different languages. Say butterfly and he'll go farfalle, you know, uh, papillon, <laughs> mariposa. And then he, and then they'll be like, schmetterling. <laughs> like the German. I want to say somebody was showing this to me the other day and it was cracking me up. <laughs> Honestly, I saw so, a clip of that. It's like a hammer on the ears. Yeah. There's a, uh... A old skit from a Conan O'Brien show uh, about a German. It's a fake sh uh, game show, but a uh, German game show called Stockenblocken. 
and the goal is someone's put in a room and they have to arrange all the items on this table at a complete 90 degree angle to the rest of the table and at the end of the, you know, the time period a uh, guy dressed up as a Nazi comes in and like measures to see if it's indeed at exact 90 degree angle and if it's not they get beaten by this guy what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great skit Stopping, blocking. Uh, skits that couldn't be done today no. some of the yeah some of the german stuff is actually really funny there's an old um german safety video like working around forklifts and stuff if you just uh, just research like german safety video it's utterly hysterical it is one of the funniest things i've seen and uh it's like this it's like guy ends up like losing his arm that he gets like impaled and it's like it just ends up like this um but snowball of serious? safety violating yeah it's all about like teaching you safety but it's all like being humorous and it just this stuff snowballs into like this pure and utter chaos and it's it's so funny <laughs> yeah some of the german stuff is is pretty good what I, I what I found interesting lately is the uh, watching uh, some of these Japanese shows and like some of their game shows and stuff, <laughs> and just because I'm just curious about like humor in different cultures, and they just don't care about offending anybody, and it's so interesting to watch some of the jokes that they have. Um, and you're like, man, if they played that in America, like people would have a conniption fit. Like yeah. it's on Amazon. There's this one show called uh, Documental. It's if you were watching the like Laugh Out Loud, a bunch of countries have done it now. Um, after the Documental happened, but it's basically put a bunch of comedians in a room, and you know it's whoever is the last one left laughing. Like they can't laugh, and if you laugh, oh. you get kicked out. Okay, I and, saw I saw a version of this. Yeah, and uh, there's an Australia one, so you can actually hear the English. Um, but that one wasn't very funny. the The Japanese one is utterly ridiculous, and they do all sorts of just crazy stuff on it. But one of the things that just like baffled, well, not baffled me, but just it's just like, oh man, if this was in America, like people would just lose it was one of the Japanese guys was black. And as a, to get people to laugh, he was just legit. He was like, uh, his mom was uh, Japanese and his dad was, you know, from America, black guy from America. And he was just showing like family photos and they were legit laughing, like breaking up <laughs> because the dad was so dark. And, <laughs> and it was so funny. They, he, he knew that it was getting them to it was like totally different cultural divide there that like they didn't it wasn't offensive or anything it was just he's different you know and there's no animosity there but it was so funny because like he do it's like i'm just going to show him pictures of my family and i know i'm going to break them and it did like he got people you know to lose because he just showed him pictures of their, his dad it makes and, me think of when I was in uh, Tanzania, <clears throat> people would laugh about American stuff that just because it's different and it's funny. And my one of my homestay families, my Baba, 
he really wanted to show me pictures of the a previous student they had had, American student that they had had stay with him. And he pulled out this picture that she had sent him of her dog wearing a dog outfit. Like, you know, Americans would put our dogs in clothes. I put my dog in clothes. Um, and, he, and he just, just, just looking at that picture, he would just break into laughter. Like, this is so hilarious. Who puts their dogs in clothes? Like American. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, he was just laughing like, what's wrong with you guys? Um, and then there were also times where they would just laugh about, I mean, you know, just things that are like, like difference. Like you said, you we're not allowed. Yeah. To, I don't think we're part of, part of PC cultures. We're not allowed to, to laugh anymore at differences, but um, they would laugh at, well, okay. Uh, the word, the Swahili word for white people, for white persons, Mzungu, for white people, Wazungu. And there were some villages that we, I walked through where they, they're like little kids had never seen a white person, had never seen a Mzungu and would start yeah. crying. <laughs> and then and all the adults would laugh because it was so funny and you look so weird to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like just, and that's okay. Yeah, they don't, it's, <laughs> like, there's nothing, there's nothing malicious around it. Just, they've never experienced it. They find it funny. I like, I get a kick out of when they try to imitate like Americans, like different cultures trying to imitate Americans. It's really funny to me. Because they they have certain stereotypes that you just are like you don't think would be a stereotype, and but to them it is like an American stereotype, and it's really funny. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I think uh, somebody somebody in the chat says crying because they're scared. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one kid cried when they saw me because it was like because imagine if you'd never seen. A white person before it could be maybe you know like what well, is wrong with that person <laughs> why do they look yeah. that way uh there was something else funny cultural differences that uh my baba said to me he said one night we were they had this ceremony and he was drinking some pombe he was a little drunk and he said you know you you will never you would never be accepted in in tanzanian society and i was like what why and he goes, because you don't have wawowo. And wawowo <laughs> is a slang word, a, a slang Swahili word that means big ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, That's funny. Anyway, you know, look you up some flights it. too. It's the capital city, Sir Mix a lot. Town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read a couple more super chats and then you guys we can wrap this up. It's pretty casual Friday. We got some laughs in. Let's see. Intergalactic Butthole Explorer says, Carrie, you don't understand. All we need to do is make some TikTok dance videos and all of these problems will go away. Uh, well, this, it's, this is it, true. It, this is true. <laughs> it was funny because like I remember last year when the COVID stuff started and you had like keep going, oh, we need to celebrate the frontline workers and treating like soldiers. And then you had all these TikTok videos coming out of like nurses doing like choreographed dances and stuff. And I was thinking like, if if TikTok existed in World War II, would you see like American soldiers doing choreographed dances on the beaches of Normandy? Like, no, you wouldn't. Like, <laughs> you're telling me this is such a serious thing. It's like a war we're fighting. But then they're doing these goofy dances. I'm like, wow, you guys have a lot of free time. Yeah. That that really bugged me seeing all these videos. Yeah. I agree. 
But now Angie, all those heroes are getting fired for uh, not wanting to get vaccinated. Oh, I saw that. Uh, again, my local news station, KVUE, posted a story about a nurse here in Texas who got fired because she doesn't want to take the vaccine. Her choice should be her choice was fired and the comments were full of Austinites, these sort of culty Austinites just celebrating with glee the fact that she lost her income and lost her job. Um, well, I do think, uh, I, I forget it was one of the hospitals in Houston that fired a bunch of people, but I think like I read they were having a shortage of nurses. Shocking after that, firing as much. Was his there's audio buzz, coming in? Oh, okay, it wasn't just me. Yeah, yeah. there's a buzz coming from your audio. Oh. Check your wire. Yeah, check your wire. I'm going to read this one from Angie. Angie, 20 bucks. Thank you, Angie. Says, I'm not allowed to return to work for 14 days because a vaccinated co-worker caught COVID and I did not get the jab. Just another way of inferring that unvaccinated people are the problem without actually saying it. <sighs> there are so many stories like this. This is why we're doing our roundtable Monday, because you're never going to see a local news station do this kind of a, you know, let's talk about the human interests of people who are being affected by, because they are choosing not to get the vax. And there's a lot of people who have medical reasons why. So we're going to talk to some of those people whose doctors have told them not to get it. And now they face losing their job. Um, why bother for for 10, whatever that is. I, I always forget if it's Euro is that euros. Or, I think that's euros. I don't know. It says, I found a new study which found that regular physical activity decreases the risk of infectious diseases by 31% and mortality from it by 37%. I'm going to start shaming back D heads who try to shame me. Uh, yeah, that's something I agree. We haven't seen any, you know, as much as they talk about, this is about health and public health. There hasn't been really any emphasis on, on people like trying to get more fit, like taking positive steps to eat healthy, to exercise. I just don't see a lot of discussion about that. And, and then last one, Finest City Cycling says, hands down, one of the reasons I'm voting to recall Newsom is to extend a giant middle finger to corporate press thugs like the LA Times. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think is going to happen with Newsom? I'm, I'm not really following it. I mean, I know Larry Elder, people like him, but. Uh, according to, well, I watch uh, People's Pundit, um, uh, Barris, first name Richard, Richard Barris. Um, and, but uh, he does some really good polling and he's basically, it's like a coin flip, um, whether Newsom's going to get recalled or not. And it, it's, it's starting to seems like it's swinging against him and they're, that's why they're freaking out. But he's from his data, he's saying like, if, the recall happens. If Newsom gets recalled, then Larry Elder will be the winner and he will be the new governor. And that's why they are freaking out because they, he was saying when they were calling, like um, the majority of people, when they called the Democrats and they called them about the recall, they didn't even know a recall was happening. So there are no like Democrat candidates out there in case Newsom gets recalled to like bring in another Democrat. It's, you know, it's basically Larry Elder and a bunch of people that nobody's heard of and nobody's following. And so he's just way ahead in all the polls. Yeah, you can wow. tell Newsom's worried because there was a, a interview he did like a couple of weeks ago where like he was like visibly angry 
at the media. <laughs> like they weren't, you know, kissing his, his ass enough. And so he, he's fidgeting and he's, you could tell he's trying to control like his anger, his rage. It's like, you could tell this dude's sociopath. He does have that look to me like the, uh, oh gosh, what's that uh, American psycho Christian Bale. That's what, that's what he, <laughs> he reminds me of. Yeah. Just sort of like a shark <laughs> in human skin, you know? <laughs> Um, Never trust a man I, with slicked back hair. <laughs> the slicked back <laughs> hair, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not a super chat, but I just wanted to read it because I think it's a good message. I f- and a few people posted it, so I don't know who this originally posted this, but I see a few of you sharing the same thing. Life is short, so tell someone you love them today, but say it in German because life is also harsh and scary. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And then Manny, 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 we got to see Manny in person at the retreat. Manny gave us a big super chat. Thank you, Manny. Uh, $99. And says, wow, yeah, yesterday was a sad day. Heartbreaking to see how we'd fallen. The moment we needed strength, confidence, and assertiveness, anger. Instead, we had weakness, projection of fault, empty words. That being said, don't lose hope. We can turn this ship. Together we can. It's up to us all. I like your last words there because I do think it is I've I, we've talked about this before on the show, but, and I, I think you guys probably agree, but I don't put my faith in a politician or in any political party. I don't have, and I know some people who still do. I know some people on the right who do um, and the left, but I know some people on the right who do. And I just kind of, I think that that's setting yourself up for a pretty, a pretty bad fall when you come to realize it's like, there's no one writing in to save you that, you know, this is, changing the culture, changing the things that have been happening that have been going wrong, I think with our government and with our culture, it's all all like individual level stuff. I know that sounds simplistic, but it is, it's really like changing yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a politician's line with his lips when his lips are moving. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't trust any of them. Yeah. I don't, there's no, it's, it's funny when people get into, I don't know, like new people will sort of attack me online. Sometimes they see one post of mine and they'll attack me and they'll assume a lot of things about me and they'll say stuff like go back to your Fox news. Or I'm like, I don't watch Fox news. I mean, occasionally I watch Tucker Carlson clips that people send me, but I don't watch Fox news or they'll just assume things about me being a Republican or whatever. It's like, no, I'm not a Republican. And you know, it's, I don't put any faith in that. I think it, I think they assume those things they assume I watch Fox news because they get all their news from CNN. And so they assume you're the same as them, but on some other side, it's binary. They just think in terms of binary terms, just binaries. Right. So they, they put all their faith in a party, the democratic party. So they assume you put your faith in the Republican party. It's like, no, I don't, I don't, that's the point. I don't put it in either. They're projecting it onto you. I think. And so they got these crazy assumptions because they do something like, yeah, I, I get yeah. that a lot too. And I'm like, I don't watch Fox. I don't like Fox News. <laughs> and yeah. I don't like any of the media outlets. I'll read articles and stuff and might watch some clips. But yeah, I don't I don't watch any of that. Because yeah. it's, well, it's all I, I, slanted. I, I told you the story um, about two or three years ago when I got into an argument with my best friend. Uh, it's like over like Trump and Hillary and stuff. And he, I, I could tell he was frustrated and trying to argue with me because he couldn't put me in like a box, you know, because yeah, I did vote for Trump, but you know, I, 
tend to think I have a very nuanced view of the man. There are certain good things, there are certain bad things. And so he was trying to project certain things onto me in order to make me fit in that box so he could use his pre-prepared talking points against me. But I was like, no, I don't, I don't fit in that box. So those aren't effective and using them towards me. So there was, was he was trying very, to project whiteness onto you? <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> inconvenient that you're not white. <laughs> so Greg, Greg, this was a fight with, um, it's funny, before we had started talking about politics, we had put on uh, some music and we put on uh, Duel the Fates from Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. specifically the version of epi- from episode three where Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting each other. And so as we started to fight, we like stop and go, it's kind of weird. We were listening to music about two best friends fighting and we're two best friends fighting. This is odd. Yeah. Nice. And th- this is the one where he uh, told you you were not that you weren't voting in your own best interest, right? Right, right, because I didn't vote for the Democratic Party because all us black folk think alike, of course. You're black? We're all the same. We just got to be told. (laughs) We don't know (laughs) nothing about nobody. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Greg Greg just discovered your secret identity, (laughs) that you're a black man. man. Um, (laughs) Surprise. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up so we don't go on too long. But I wanted to thank you both for being with us today and just chatting and, and talking with the community. I want to thank everybody who's in the chat. We got one last super chat from Aaron. I'll just read it. He says, I love you in German is, oh, and then he gives me a pronunciation, pronounced Ich liebe dich. So I hope, don't, I hope you're not tricking me into saying something bad. Say that three times fast. No. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you guys for for tuning in. And uh, just a reminder, because Carter's not here and I forgot to say it at the beginning, if you're new to our channel, this is a live show. We do Mondays and Fridays. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you want to find out more about Unsafe Space, we have a lot of interviews that we do. We've had a couple very interesting ones coming out this that came out this past week. You can go to unsafespace.com to find out more info. And we have book club coming up this month. We do it every month. This month, we're back to fiction, and we're doing Neuromancer. We're going to be talking about that on Sunday, the 19th. So if you want to sign up, if you want to be a part of that discussion, it's free to join and participate. Go to unsafespace.com and look at our book club page. And thank you, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks. Yes, indeed. Oh. Oh, well, good. Beverly. I was like, oh, wait, Beverly, hold on. I was going to show Greg Tiger. Hold on. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Wait, I I should be gone when she gets back. (laughs) I should have planned this better Uh, so I could. Yeah, you should have. Him in his little suit. It's my arch enemy here, Tiger. <laughs> we meet again. He hates you so much. <laughs> I told Greg that so Tiger's strong. my new co-host. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. 
well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and may be subject to federal entrapment. Research shows that wearing a mask significantly reduces the risk of becoming infected with independent thought. The next war will be nothing like Afghanistan. I promise. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.